Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are headed into Isaiah 25 through 28. And today we're going to talk about the church and what it means to be combined with the saints. Next on the 20-Minute Scriptorian. Hey, everybody. It's great to be back with you. I hope you're all healthy and well, both mentally, physically, and spiritually as we go through this crazy pandemic in 2020. I know for some of us, this has changed our lifestyles and uh, illness and all kinds of things going on. So hang in there. For me, it's made my job very busy. I'm uh, in fulfillment and operations. And so you guys quit buying online. It's making my job really busy. Anyway, also in other news, I did start up my master's program at Gonzaga, which is a Catholic Jesuit uh, organization. So we are doing biblical studies, theology, and leadership. So it has been super interesting, and I'll talk about that in, uh, at the end. But I wanted to talk today about Mosiah 25 and 28. Now, this is some of the most impactful stories that we're going to get about Alma the Younger and the Sons of Mosiah coming up at the very end of uh, the lessons in 28 for this week's Come Follow Me. But before we get there, there's some really amazing and applicable things happening in 25 and 26, and sometimes we just blow right past it to get to the very insightful uh, repentance story of those those young men. So let's take f- this first half. Let's look at that. The what's the church is what's going on there, and then we'll bounce out next time onto the conversion story. All right. So as you as you recall in Mosiah twenty five and twenty six, there's just has been a lot happening, and we just jump right in full force in chapters twenty five and twenty six. Now in those chapters, if you recall, politically, socially religiously, there's a lot happening. So the groups have, we were still kind of settling. We'd been in Zarahemla for a long time. And then the groups that had split off had gone off. And that's where we just spent the rest of Mosiah. And it's kind of confusing storylines and those flashbacks of all those different groups. And this is the first time we've seen them kind of come back together, at least the people of God coming back together in the land of Zarahemla. And yet throughout these two chapters, uh, 25 and 26, you're going to see a lot of overlap of, of trying to explain really what's happening. And so let's, let's review a couple of things. Um, Zarahemla was already a very blended society. So you're going to have the Nephites, but the locals, the people that lived there already, you're going to, we're going to meet the Mulekites. Now we have the Limhites are going to return and they've been there for a little while. The people of Alma are going to join them. And so you've got this very blended group of societies and, and, we're reminded actually, actually Jacob reminds us way back when that while we're going to call these guys Nephites, 
they were really not. It was it was a lot of different. So it's not just Nephites and Lamanites. This was Lamanites and Lemuelites and Samites and and you know lots of ites. So all these different kinship groups, families, uh, traditions, uh, clans. There, there were a lot of them combined, and then they all brought their own. Uh, their own variances in the culture and belief. And so you see in a really big city in a big area group like Zarahemla that it's very melded, right? There are lots of different groups going on. And so as, as Mormon goes through and tells us some of this story, it's easy to just go, oh yeah, they're back together and they're all alike, but they're not. They, they are different clans, different social groups. And we're going to see um, how the Lord does something unique uh, something that we're really used to, but something that's really unique in the Book of Mormon to bring them together, to try to draw all these differences and to bring this people together. So at this point, Alma is the, or uh, Mosiah is the king. And so this is Mosiah the second. So we had Mosiah, Benjamin, Mosiah, and then we've come back and Limhi has already returned. And Limhi, remember, was uh, Zenith and then evil King Noah and then Limhi. And then now Limhi's come back. Alma's group had broken off. And now Alma's group is going to return. And Alma's group had created, there may be 15, 20 years, which they had lived out in the land of Helam and grown up with this people group. And so these different groups. Also, you'll see some of the families of the evil King Noah, that their first families um, had grown up as well. And they're going to have a say in what's going on. So it was all the people that already lived in Zarahemla and didn't know all these Limhites and all these Mulekites and all these people going on. So you're going to see all these groups come together. But this religion, the politics, it's very blended. It's very blended. And so think that's very similar to our uh, countries today. There aren't many countries today that are very uniform, but rather we are a, a group of people that bring different insights, different religions, different cultures, different histories, uh, just even our political persuasions are different and we bring those backgrounds together into one greater community and that's what's happening in Zarahemla. Now, why is this important? Because it's just like us, but also it's very different. Remember when the Nephites broke off, Nephi spends a ton of time telling them that you guys are a remnant of the house of Israel. The story of the Old Testament, the story of the Lord's covenants with his people are your covenants. You're part of that. Now, these people, Zarahemla, etc., are not all Nephites. They are not all part of that generation. So they are not part of the family of Abraham. Probably not all of them. We know there were people living in the Americas at this point. And you can see that that focus is different. They're not like, oh, I hope that I'm still part of the family of Abraham and those covenants are my covenants. They're like, eh. <laughs> and so you see where Mosiah um, is working with the people, Alma's working with the people, and that's not appealing to them. That doesn't mean as much. And so they're going to say, yeah, but let's talk about how the Lord is going to deal with you. Now, why do we care about that? Why do we care? Because something interesting that the Lord's going to do with his people and something that you might just glaze right over and go, yeah, yeah. And that's the formation of a church, of a church. Now, we use the term church a lot, and that is just imbued with a lot of ideas. So take a step back and say, when I say I'm a member of the church, or I, uh, go to, I go to church with those people, or it's a church, what does that mean? You'll probably come up with things like, well, it's my faith community, 
it's the set of beliefs that I follow. It's the tradition. It's the Lord's uh, covenants being passed down and authority with people on earth. But it also might just be it's, it's how I grew up. It's the people that understand me. It's where I go on Sunday. Um, it's my social group. Right? It's people I pay pickleball with, whatever. Church has a lot of terms. But in this time, it didn't exist. They didn't have churches. They didn't go to a building. And they weren't, I'm a member of the church. They were Nephites. It was where they, what they were born as or their political affiliation. Right? So they said, I believed the way Nephi believed. I was counted as a Nephite. And now you're saying it isn't about that. Even within the Nephite political structure, they're going to separate and said, it's something about following God. It's something else. It's, it's more than that. And remember the covenants that they make at the waters of Mormon. It's to become an initiation. It's to become the part of the family of God and to mourn with those who mourn and to comfort those who need comfort and to make others light. It's a community. And we go, yeah, Lori, that's what a church is. It's not just where the authority of God rests. It's not just where the priesthood of God and the authority to save and, and do the ordinances, but it's a community. Yeah, it's my community. We often call it a family, right? We'll say, oh, the bishop's like the father of our ward, right? Um, and I know we feel that way, but that's unique. So take a step back and say, Something unique is happening. This is a blended society. And they're not all blood relatives of Abraham. They're not all part of that Abrahamic covenant. They grew up somewhere else. And so the Lord is going to do something else, something that we're used to now, and that's create a church. And baptism becomes more than just a covenant of washing and renewal, which it is. It is going to also take on the additional uh, ideas that we have today of being an initiation, how to become part of a community, the community of Christ, and how to then make a covenant with God that you are born into that family and you are part of Christ's family. You take his name upon you. And so this church, when Alma comes back with Mosiah, you'll see this happening and you'll just go, oh yeah, they created a church. Isn't that nice? And then the priests were assigned and they would go and teach and you're like, wait, what? It's super different super different and we're used to it because that's kind of how it happens today. So I'm not going to read all the scriptures that go through that, but a couple of things that jumped out at me were King Mosiah gives this authority um, to Alma or Alma has it. Now that's a pretty amazing thing. I don't know about you, but there are not a lot of leaders, especially kings, that are happy to give up any of their authority. So Mosiah pretty cool guy, right? And certainly sees eye to eye with Alma. Now, Limhi, where's Limhi in all this? Limhi was a king himself. And when he shows up, he, his people are just, and right in the, now Mosiah's their king. Also interesting. These are really strong and powerful uh, leaders who are able to see what's right for their people and join together. So I just, it's, you just gloss right over that Limhi just gives up his group, right? Oh, we're glad to be back. Oh, Mosiah, you're the king. Great. Oh, Alma. Oh, yeah, Alma, you you can be in charge of the church. They, it's really unique that they're so humble and, and, and see eye to eye as leaders that they're able to combine and do the best for what's the people. So interesting, much like today, we see that changes in the church and changes in our communities 
the best leaders are those who maybe give up power or do what's right for their people as opposed to hoard it and rule over them and tax them and all these terrible things. So King Mosiah II and King Limhi, cool dudes, and they, they pass over some of this authority to Alma. I love that they, uh, that they love their people so much. Also, we see this again. Alma is going to focus on something else. He's going to focus on personal righteousness. The covenant of baptism becomes a personal covenant, a renewal, a covenant into the community, a covenant of initiation. We're all part of the family. We're all part of the community now. And so you see that in Mosiah 26. It's, it's, it's a gathering, um, which is the original in Greek anyway. It's the ecclesia. The word in Greek is a gathering. It's someone who calls it together. And in the Old Testament, it's someone who calls an assembly. And you would sometimes call it a solemn assembly, but someone who calls assembly. And that might be someone who brings the people together, like King David is, is called that. So someone who brings the ecclesia, gathers his people, someone who's gathering them in. You see Benjamin having done that. He brings the people in for the ceremony and speaks to them. And you see that that's what they're doing now. They're making this church. It's a way to gather in the people into a community. So this is big. This is big. Put yourself in their shoes and see how different it would have been to say, oh, I'm a Nephite. Oh, I'm part of the remnant of Joseph too. Now, based on my personal commitment to Christ, my covenant with him, I now become a a someone who bears that covenant with others that make the same covenant. So interesting. It isn't a building. It isn't a right. It isn't a heritage. Um, it's a choice. It's a choice. So, and isn't that true today for all of us? So it's a community. It's a community. And, and uh, there's something important about that. We live in communities now that are very disparate, right? We're all kind of broken up and especially now in COVID. And so kind of how important it is to find um, community, and we can do that worldwide. So now we're part of the community of Christ. We're part of this greater community um, through our covenants of becoming his children, of Christ's children, as we just learned earlier in Mosiah. So there you go. There you go. Um, fascinating. You see this blend. You see Alma taking on this responsibility. And he even assigns administratively assigns teachers and priests to these group. Now there have been other teachers and priests like Jacob. Um, Nephi makes Jacob, but but not quite like Alma does. Alma makes them assigned to these groups. They're so big that now they have to go and teach. And Alma is the authority that makes sure that they're teaching the right doctrine and that everyone's learning what they should. So you see this organization. All right. You're probably thinking, Lori, that's interesting, kinda, but why did Mormon put that in there? Why is this weird organizational and covenantal change important for us? I mean, the Book of Mormon was written for us, and so I don't really care what they did 2,600 years ago in the Americas with their org chart. Ah, but maybe we do. In the last few years, let's do a pop quiz. Last few years, has the church A- not had very many changes administratively. B, had some occasional, have to think about it, but P, occasional changes. Or C, a vast and ever varied amount of administrative changes. It's C, right? I mean, just so many changes, changes upon changes, changes in the missionary ages multiple times, changes in the age of, of going to primary, changes in the way that we even do come follow me, changes, 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 changes. For some... 
that's a little bit dis- disheartening. You're like, whoa, this is a lot of change and what's going on. And I thought God was the same today from forever. Like, why would these things change? And I think we can see this pattern over and over again. Administrative change. The Lord is constantly involved in his church and he is making the changes that we need for our society, for COVID-19, for how the family is organized, for politics in our world, for the space age, whatever it is, the Lord is involved with his church. And there are different, there are no changes in the doctrine, the core doctrines, God, Jesus Christ, the priesthood, right? Those things don't change, but how they're administered. Oh, they change all the time, right? They change all the time. And some of those we go, yeah, those don't bother me. Oh, but some of those, those would bother me. Some of those changes might bother you. So what's exciting to me is that you see this. You see this throughout church history. You see it with Alma right now, that administrative changes, not doctrinal changes, but administrative changes are common. They're needed. And that just shows you the Lord is working with his communities, working with his church. And here they are way back when they assign the way it works with Alma. They change the way the baptismal covenant works to bring the people and community. They assign teachers and priests differently. Um, they go out and spread the word. They, they share the word and they have it shared. The people are too big to all gather. So they are sending messengers out of some kind to share the gospel. Um, now we have podcasts and YouTube and uh, zoom meetings and we just have so many different things that we didn't have and we use them now. So we're exactly like this time of Messiah. So it's encouraging to me that the Lord is still working with his church and changing the administration as the needs change in our world. And B, he did the same thing back then. He, he's done the same thing. I, if, if you look back, you'll see that anciently, even with the priesthood, who held the priesthood has been different, right? At some point, you're like, oh, there was the Melchizedek priesthood and Adam and the patriarchs. But then it got to, in the time of Moses, 1,500 years later, it goes to Aaron and Aaron's descendants, um, the Le- it goes to Levites, and then Aaron's family is a family of Levites, and then they do some of the Levitical priesthood, and, and then within certain families, they do certain things in the temple, but then at other times, it goes to families like this. It's going to the Nephites, and then it's going out to teachers and priests that are assigned, and then the roles are different. So the priesthood's always there, but how it's administered is slightly different. Who holds it? What the responsibility are? pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. I love that idea. Love the idea that the Lord is involved with this church and makes those changes to adapt to what we need. Uh, sometimes before we even know we need it. Pretty cool. All right. Well, just an aside, I wanted to tell you a little bit. I did start my master's degree in the last few weeks at Gonzaga. Um, it is, uh, theology and leadership is what it's called. And so it's a little bit focused. It reminds me a little bit of business school, and theology at the same time. So we'll be going through uh, the Bible and we'll also be going through some um, theology, which is more more like co- concepts, like concepts like faith, God, scripture, the authority of scripture. How do you know God? It's kind of like themes. Um, and so we'll be doing that for the next uh, year and a half. So just a couple insights there. Gonzaga is a Catholic university. They have a great basketball team. Um, They're out of uh, Washington state and well known for the Jesuits formed by the Jesuits. Jesuits is a, an order of uh, Catholicism that was focused 
on education and service. And so created by St. Ignatius Loyola. So you probably have heard of many, many Loyola universities in the world, all the way through India and the Jesuits um, was his, his order, the Society of Jesus um, was what the name, you might have like Franciscans or Benedictine monks and his was called the Society of Jesus, which they called Jesuits. And that's kind of their focus is education. So a lot of schools that are Jesuit schools focused on education and spirituality. And so I'm really honored to be accepted into the program. Um, here I thought, after I did my, I went back and did the undergrad in uh, at Evangelical School, which is a group of Protestants, um, I was like the only one <laughs> that was not evangelical. And it, it, it was obvious. It, it was every conversation. It was, um, I kind of kept it on the down low, just not to make it in the forefront about me. And it's been very different with the master's program. Um, I would say half are Catholic and half are something else. Some come from very blended religious backgrounds. Um, and there are a couple other members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I guess they have always had members of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the program. And so it's been really interesting because here we have a group of us already there. And it's very open about what denomination you are and your practices. And so it's been so exciting um, to be able to share some of those things with the, they call it a cohort, cohort, the group. And so as we've done it, but a couple things that they have in common that I think are related. We're all part of this greater community of the church. So yes, while I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is correct and right in the way to salvation, um, I love that these are devout Christians as well who love Jesus and want to serve him, his church, and, and people. They are devout and awesome people, and I'm, I'm learning so many things from them already. The other thing is they're super accomplished. So so many of them uh, are returning students like me, so we're older, and so many have advanced degrees, multiple advanced degrees, multiple advanced degrees and are medical doctors, multiple advanced degrees and run not-for-profits and are CEOs of companies, and then there's me. So it's been a little intimidating. Uh, I, I, I've been trying to not be intimidated by how brilliant and awesome these people are that are in the group with me, um, but it's, uh, it's intimidating. They're pretty, pretty amazing, humble, uh, spiritual followers of Christ. So I'm honored to start that program. So I'll be sharing some of the things that I learned there, hopefully with, with all y'all. But, but one thing I loved is that there is a greater community of believers out there and we are just part of them. And I'm honored that we are all part of the greater community of Christ. Um, and so cool. All right, next, next time we will talk about the responsibility of individual conversion rather than just the church in general and the big group. All right, keep on studying.